Welcome to Artful Aging with Amy, where I ask caregivers and professionals the difficult questions that will give you guidance on your life's journey. Support is only one conversation away, and this is your first step. Let's go. Good morning, everyone. I'm Amy Friesen, and this is Artful Aging with Amy. As many of you already know, I run a business called Tea and Toast, where my team and I assist families in navigating their senior living options. This is a huge job for most families when they're doing it all on their own. From research to touring and everything in between, many families still feel as though they are unsure that they actually chose the correct home for or with their loved one. My guest today is one of my Canadian Retirement Home Advisor colleagues and specializes in the province of British Columbia. Stephanie Chan is the founder of Home to Home, which helps seniors and families with care planning, transitions, and care management, as well as My Care Base, which offers an online marketplace of pre-screened senior living services to help seniors remain safely in their home for as long as possible. Welcome, Stephanie. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks, Amy. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, I'm so happy to have you on. Could you maybe tell us a little bit more about you and both of your businesses to give us a bit more context? Yeah. So I've been in the senior living industry for about 14 years. I actually used to be a lawyer and I practiced for 10 years and found it wasn't as rewarding uh, anymore as it was when I first started. And I really wanted to focus on something different that really helped people directly um, rather than helping um, you know, doing corporate law. So um, in around 2007, an idea came about to help seniors with healthcare navigation and making informed choices when it comes time to look at different living environments and all the decisions that come around um, that decision to move or not to move or how viable is it to stay at home, et cetera. Um, so I started Home to Home in 2007. And then a few years ago, I started my care base, my second business, because I saw a need for um, families to have maybe a different, a slightly different home care delivery model. And so we focus in my care base on helping families find pre-screened caregivers for hire. Wonderful. Well, and both services are so important because also not everyone decision makes the same, right? So not everybody's situation is the same and not everybody uh, makes the decisions the same. Some people want more help. Some people want more to do more research on their own. So it, it's perfect to have kind of both en- uh, ends for that. Steph, as you and I both know, navigating the healthcare system to find the perfect blend of private and public resources can be quite a challenge. Many people are on a budget, whereas others may be living in a remote area, and still others may have so much choice that it's overwhelming. Maybe let's first look at the private and senior living systems. For those who are unfamiliar, I'm referring to both retirement homes as well as private home care. Stephanie, could you elaborate on what a retirement home is, what types of care they offer, and what private home care is as well? Sure. So a retirement home, generally speaking, is a residence where seniors can live in a group setting where every person has their own suite. Um, And so some of these suites are um, just like any other condo that you or I might buy. You can get them in different sizes, ranging from studios to, you know, two bedroom and den. So they range from maybe 400 square feet and you can get some that are 1500 square feet. So there's really something for everyone. And these residences have typically a range of 
in-house services and amenities to make your life easier because that's what retirement living is all about. So um, some retirement residences are compared to like perpetual cruise ships. So typically what you'll find is housekeeping, meals, recreation, um, uh, emergency alert buttons, 24-hour concierge, um, outings, hair salon. And so it makes your lifestyle really easy. Um, some residences offer an additional level of care that we call assisted living. And assisted living covers more personal care. So when people start needing help with things like medication administration, um, help with showering, either hands-on or standby assistance, um, typically, you know, getting up in the morning, getting dressed, all the personal hygiene tasks that are done in the morning, um, things like that. So many retirement residences will have the basic supports that I talked about as well as um, in some cases, that second tier of assisted living. So then um, home care, private home care, takes everything that I just talked about and basically you can replicate all those services in the comfort of your own home. So let's say you have someone who doesn't want to live in a group setting for whatever reason, they prefer to stay at home. You can these days hire a caregiver for whatever you'd like, housekeeping and house chores, cooking, um, taking you to appointments, recreational activities, as well as personal care, ranging from assisted living tasks, such as helping with showering and dressing, all the way up to higher levels of complex care that you might find in, say, a long-term care residence. Well, and many people confuse private and public resources. And not only that, but they have trouble finding out very much about either one. So maybe let's go over what a public home is, also called a nursing home or a long-term care or short-form LTC, and what types of care they offer and what public home care is. Can you give us an idea? Sure. Um, so to start off with, I would say generally, the if you remember nothing else, the basic differences between the private and the public system really have to do with scope and cost. So a public long-term care home is often associated with people who need higher levels of care. And that might be because they need dementia care or maybe they're really um, mobility challenged. And so they offer the highest level of care, which um, sometimes people call nursing care or, or just full care. And long-term care homes are funded by the province's health authority. So every province has its own system for how they qualify each individual, how they place them in order of priority, and what each individual pays. For example, in BC, an individual placed into a public long-term care home would pay 80% of their net income. And then there's a cap. And so every province will have its own formula and their own cap. Um, public home care is also funded by each province's health authority. And that's where the health authority sends community care workers into your home to provide um, certain home care services so that you can continue living in your home without having to move. And typically the scope of what the public uh, home care system can give you versus the private home care system is much more limited. So the public system often is focused on helping with personal care. 
um, but the um, public system won't take your mom or dad to appointments. They won't do housekeeping. They're not going to provide companionship services. But it's really much more focused on personal care and medications. Perfect. And the other thing a lot of people ask as well, um, and I can answer for Ontario, but I love your answer as well for BC. You know, can I, if I have the public home care, can I bring that into a private retirement home with me as well? Here, the answer is yes. They won't duplicate the care by any means. But if the home is will work with them or if they have an a la carte uh, style of care, then you can actually bring in private, sorry, public care into a private home. Is that the same in BC? Absolutely. It is actually the same. So if you're moving into a private retirement residence, especially one that doesn't even offer in-house assisted living services, you can access the public home care services um, and those community care workers will come into your retirement residence to help you. Perfect, perfect. So, and from my own personal and professional experience, I have found that there are a lot of misconceptions around uh, surrounding and around senior living. Stephanie, have you found this as well? Do you find that there's a lot of misconceptions, a lot of wrong information, and if you have, what type of misconceptions have you come across? I find a lot of misconceptions also. I would say, um, in the years that I've been doing this business, they seem to fall into different camps. So the most common misconception, um, because I think there's a little bit of sticker shock when you start researching the prices of some of these retirement residences, is that it's very, it's too expensive or it's unaffordable, um, or that it's you know much more expensive than me staying at home. And I think it's because people who have owned their own homes for a long time just aren't used to paying rent. And so there's a little bit of a shock when you start looking into it. But when you really start doing a comparison of all the costs of staying at home, and I don't mean just food and utilities, but factoring things like insurance, home maintenance, property taxes, um, yard maintenance, everything to do with maintaining a house. And then you compare that to the cumulative costs of the rent that you might um, incur at a retirement residence, in many cases, you'll find that um, there's not much of a difference at all. And you have all the benefits of um, a retirement residence um, if, if you choose that kind of lifestyle where you have socialization and someone kind of watching and um, being there in case of emergency and all the security. So I think the first misconception is, is the cost factor. Um, it seems expensive, but it's really not, especially if you're going to be selling a house. The second type of misconception is around people assume it's depressing. People assume retirement residences are depressing, gloomy. Um, you lose your independence, um, you know, that kind of feeling. And for those that are thinking that, I would suggest, you know, do your research, go on some tours and don't don't mix all the different categories of retirement residences and care homes into one bucket, um, but really focus on researching the level of care and the type of residence that you need um, and touring some of them. If you 
Often if you um, make your tour appointment around lunch, these places will invite you to stay for lunch and then you can try the food. And so just really educate yourself on what they're really like and don't go off of what you hear in the news or what others have told you. I think that's one of the big ones for that I hear as well as a lot of people take their friends suggestions or so and so is there and therefore that one is good or bad or whatnot. And a lot of independent seniors who don't need a lot of care, look at retirement living as you know, a place to go and die sometimes, right. And it's unfortunate because they, you know, they don't have the full scope. And that's kind of what you and I offer as well. So really just educate people. The other um, when we were talking about cost a minute ago too, stuff is the other thing that I find, and I love you to weigh in as well, is that people don't take into account the mental cost of staying at home longer than they should perhaps, or in lieu of a move because they think something, you know, something about a retirement home is not true. But people don't realize that, sure, you could stay in your home, but if you're in that situation where you're isolated, there's a mental cost to staying in your home. And that that's going to be quite steep and it's not something that's super tangible. So people don't actually usually take that into consideration. Have you come across this? Yeah. Um, so I have two comments there. I think the socialization that you get in a retirement residence is probably the most understated benefit of being in a retirement residence because you don't actually realize the benefits of socialization until you're actually living there. So we've um, helped many clients who have, after the move, have said, if I knew it was going to be this good, I would have moved sooner. Right? Right. <laughs> because you start, the time. <laughs> yeah, you start making friends, you join a bridge club, you have movie nights, and you realize that there's lots of people who are going through the same thing as you, or, have, you know, and you start sharing your life experiences and laughter um, and so the socialization and the impact on your wellness is something that is often overlooked because it's so subjective. The other thing I'll say is um, I always encourage people to be proactive. So whether it's be um, thinking about getting home care before you need it or moving before you need it, the idea is to do it before you feel you need it. Because if you wait and wait and wait, Sometimes what you'll find is you'll have a health incident and you'll actually leapfrog over kind of the more independent choices that you otherwise could have um, chosen. And then you're really limited so um, in choices. So if you are proactive and you make a move or you get help before um, you feel it's necessary, you're actually doing a lot to prevent an accident. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And it's really surprising how many families we both work with probably that mm -hmm. don't plan ahead. And a lot of the families that come to us are in crisis. They, they've done exactly what you said stuff. They've hopped, they've hopped over what they could have been doing. What, you know, some people could be moving into independent living or independent retirement and, you know, skip that fall or skip whatever, because they have, you know, other supports and they don't realize that, you know, in a, in a retirement setting, they're kind of taking out some of the extra that could cause a problem. And I don't think people really realize how problematic falls can be just falls alone. 
And a lot of people end up in hospital from a fall that never go home. They have to go somewhere else. They have to get care because that fall that maybe they didn't think was that serious messed up a lot of stuff. And so it's really hard to account for that. Um, and so that's why even planning is difficult. But if you can kind of plan even loosely to start, you don't have to do everything at once, but just one piece at a time and start going that way. Um, everything will hopefully come together a little bit better for that individual so that you're not stuck in crisis. Because like you said, if you get into a crisis, you more often than not lose your choices. And you may not even right. be able to make your choices because it could affect you cognitively as well, right? Yeah. 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 And like you say, a lot of people get placed out of hospital and then you're really limited. Yeah. And the family's in a panic and you're making emotional decisions instead of rational ones. Totally agree with you. Yeah, it's really, really tough. It's and it's much more stressful on the family, right? So if you're a, you're a senior listening, perhaps you know the planning. You know, maybe don't even think about it for you. Sure, it is for you, but maybe think about it as for your children or for the people who are caring for you, because there's a lot of caregivers that are going to step in when things change. But then they also come with all of their own hurdles, their own life, their own, you know, schedules and stuff like that. So to pile on is much more stressful. So, so the more planning, the better, in my opinion. Um, Stephanie, what are some of the warning signs that seniors can look for in themselves or caregivers can keep an eye out for when their senior loved one or with their senior loved one that shows that, you know, things might not be too great or it might be time to look into getting some extra care? Yeah. So I do have some warning signs to suggest for family caregivers and for those that can live close enough to visit their parent. Um, sometimes it's easier to spot these warning signs, but some of these you can spot even if you live far away through a Zoom call or a, a regular phone call. So um, in no you know particular order, I would say, you know, think about home safety. So these are things that um, you can monitor over time. So home safety, is their current living environment still safe for them? Um, do they have stairs in their house? Are they, how are they getting around the house? Are they still you know, going up and down the stairs safely? Are they maintaining the home okay still? So are they still able to clean um, the home? Does it look tidy? Um, or is it starting to look a little um, less tidy than usual? Um, also, another thing to monitor is just their general cognitive function. So, and you can, you know, if you talk to your parent on a regular basis, you should be able to notice things like cognitive decline, memory issues. Um, and also, like you mentioned earlier, um, be aware of their mental um, health as well. So during the last three years, a lot of seniors have been isolated because they've been scared to go out or told not to go out. And so that isolation really takes a toll. So mental wellness, cognitive function. Um, and then lastly, just kind of think about, are they eating nutritiously? Take a look in their fridge and are they still taking care of themselves generally? Um, so some red flags would be noticing that they're wearing the same clothes all the time. Um, and maybe they look a little disheveled. And uh, so warning signs that they're not um, showering or taking care of themselves. So all of these things, the more red flags you see is going to lead you to the conclusion that maybe it's time to start that conversation. One of the other things that often comes up is that there are a lot of ladies 
in their 80s right now that have always been super put together and they always wear their makeup they always dress nice and then all of a sudden they stop and you know sometimes families think oh okay well that's you know maybe she's just you know done doing that or whatnot generally it's not though generally it's because there's something in the background preventing this woman for instance to to get dressed up or to do her makeup or something like that so I would say also don't just assume that, you know, maybe they changed their mind and they don't want to do something anymore. Maybe ask a couple of questions to figure out what's going on um, and try to dig a little bit deeper. And, and with COVID and the isolation of COVID, it's made it so much more difficult. But something that's happened during COVID as well is that there have been a lot more cognitive issues coming to light. You know, COVID with the isolation has really caused a lot of cognitive issues and so now more than ever check in with your loved ones because things have definitely changed and it might have not been their regular trajectory like what we what was happening or what you would think to happen but now with the extra isolation you know maybe have a look in and see if things have really changed and have a really good go through everything I would suggest. Mm -hmm. One other thing that I notice sometimes is another thing to look for if you're the um, family caregiver is the person um, lo loses some ability to make key decisions. So the decision-making process in their mind just seems a little bit different. And if you're talking to your parent regularly, again, you might be able to notice this over time. Um, and I'm sure you've seen this a lot where there's a little bit of a role reversal where the adult child becomes kind of like the parent in that you have to really guide your parent into making the right decisions. Yeah, it's tricky. And then there's always the don't parent the parent scenario that yeah. we talk a lot about, right? And it's, it's, you have to just be careful it's not to not do it. You want to have the conversations, you want to do it, and they can be really tough. But you just need to be aware that there's other things that are going to be at play and yeah. things that might come out of the woodwork because of it. Yeah. Um, a question on many caregivers' minds is usually how do I convince my parent who's in denial that they have to make some sort of change? Uh, Seth, maybe you could give our audience some talking points or some direction around this? Yeah. The key, I think, is to start the conversation much earlier than you need to um, and start the conversation when there's no need to make a decision. So you're just talking. You're not asking your parent to make any decisions. So I think the wrong thing to do, for example, would be like your very first conversation, you open with, Mom, I think it's time for you to move. Like that. that's not a good opener. Let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not do that. But, um, you know, there's certain things that are kind of less um, jarring. Um, so maybe, you know, think about, you know, bringing over takeout so they don't have to cook as much. So little, little things. Hey, mom, maybe um, we can bring you food once in a while so you don't have to um, cook every day. Maybe we'll bring over groceries so you don't have to go to the grocery store as often. Um, maybe we can hire a gardener so um, to take care of your lawn. Um, maybe let's bring in a cleaner every couple of weeks so you don't have to do everything around here. So small things. Um, if you really are at a stage where you really want your parent to start thinking about different living environments, if you happen to know anybody who lives in a retirement residence that is similar to what kind of you see your parent going to, go visit them have lunch with them. Um, and so it's more like a social visit. It's not really, hey, mom, let's take a look at this retirement residence. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Um, and I love that you're on the same page as me as that, you know, don't just jump into this conversation. I always, I always tell people, you know, go over, have a coffee, have a tea, you know, but also if you want to talk about, you know, directly and you want to have a conversation, if you're at that point, then, you know, maybe mention to your loved one, you know, hey, let's do this. Let's have a lunch or whatnot. I'm going to come over. But, you know, while I'm there, I, I have some concerns. I really would like to address that with you. Would that be okay? And that way, they also have some time to put their thoughts around. So if you kind of lay it out, there's no need to surprise anyone, right? It's going to make things worse. So, you know, if you can just lay out, I have some concerns about X, could, do you mind if we chat about it? I always say ask for permission, right? Get them, get the buy-in so that they're open to a conversation and maybe even have some notes that they want to talk about because maybe they've been thinking about it and you don't know. And, you know, if it's a move to a retirement home, for instance, maybe they're like, like they're thinking about it and they're like, you know, whenever I move, I want to go to somewhere that has a pool or something. You know what I mean? Maybe there's some kind of thing on their mind but they just hadn't got there yet. So give them some time to, you know, think about some of that stuff perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The other tip I would have is if you are starting the conversation really early and uh, many adult children are also powers of attorney, right. as I'm sure you've experienced. So if you happen to be the power of attorney, you kind of steer the conversation from the perspective of, hey, mom or dad, um, since I'm your power of attorney, um, there's some questions that I, I just kind of want to know in case I ever need to act um, on an uh, unexpected basis. So I think most people can rationalize that the whole reason you've granted a power of attorney is there might be one day that you can't make all your decisions yourself. I think people know this, and that's why they've done the power of attorney. So if you're the adult child, you say, you know, mom, if something were to happen, I just want to know what would you want in these scenarios? And that gets them thinking, but they think that you're asking Mm -hmm. as a power of attorney in case something happens in the future. And that's another way you can kind of get at what their intentions are, the kind of lifestyle they would want. And they might say, yeah, I want to be kept as most comfortable as possible. Um, Money is no issue. Just keep me comfortable. Right. So then, you know. Well, and might I add as well, if you happen to be watching our show today and you are a senior, make it a little bit easier on your family and open the conversation because a lot of people don't want a conversation like this. But the thing at the at the end of the day, the thing of it is, is that something is going to have to change eventually at some point in your life. And so either we get there through crisis or we get there through planning. And so if you happen to be watching this show and you're a senior, take that into consideration and try to take off some of the stress. Because I can tell you, as you know, as a daughter, it can be very stressful, you know, not knowing the pieces that I want to know to make decisions in my life so that I can support my family, for instance, right? So um, maybe uh, before we end stuff, we could shift into prevention tips. What can we tell our audience that will help them to limit the potential of ending up in a crisis? I would say we've talked about some of this already, but I would say start the conversation early and get help before you feel like you need it. Um, And involve other family members as well, because no one wants to be left out of that conversation. And so if you start it early, everyone gets to have their say. and just keep be mindful of those red flags or those warning signs that I mentioned. Um, get help in the home. Um, consider kind of home safety. Make home safety improvements. 
Uh, one of the other preventative tips I would say is if you're worried about your parent living alone, one very, very small change to make that's not intrusive at all is to get one of those emergency alert pendants. Mm -hmm. um, Lifeline is kind of a common brand, but there's others as well. But if you're worried about your parent being alone, um, one of those monitoring systems can help your parent if they happen to fall and they need help. And so that gives you as the family peace of mind that your mom's not going to be lying on the floor for hours. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's one, of, unfortunately, like I said, falls is a big risk factor. And that is one of the things there's a lot of people, unfortunately, that come to you or I or our other colleagues that we hear these stories that, oh, mom was on the floor for eight hours or whatnot. And the longer people are on the floor, is you know the worse it gets and that's why i was saying even in the retirement homes you know there's more likely going to be someone much quicker to get to someone who has falls so you don't have that elongated period as an example um, and that's one of the ways that things can be helped in the retirement living but again you know mm -hmm. retirement living long-term care home care it is your choice just make it make a choice actually you know make that your choice and don't just let the choice be made for you because you decided to stick your head in the sand i guess is one of my big tips do you agree <laughs> i would agree i agree it is a hard topic to discuss and it's it's often a hard topic to wrap your mind around and most people i would say procrastinate yeah and then it becomes too late your range of choices are limited um so just um kind of grasp the issue and make a decision yeah you'll be much better off and in fact by making a proactive decision, that's actually how you maintain control over your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of yeah. people are worried about losing their independence because they've made a decision or brought care in or moving somewhere. But in fact, what I've found is that you regain, like you keep your independence. And sometimes people become even more independent because they didn't know that right. things were weighing them down. Right? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, getting the right help actually can open up the options and opportunities for you to do other things that you couldn't do before. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, our time has come to an end, Stephanie. Thank you so much for coming on and helping me explain how senior housing industry works and, and the whole care industry. Thanks again. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Amy. Thanks for having me. Perfect. For more information on Stephanie, head over to artfulagingwithamy.com for her bio and her links. And there you have it. If you've enjoyed today's show, please like and share with your network so that other families can find us more easily. Thanks for joining us on Artful Aging with Amy. From me to all of you, I hope that you have a wonderful Wednesday. Mm -hmm.